Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. I hope you guys are all doing well. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you so much for checking out the channel. Let me just ask you that if after listening to or watching the video, you find you enjoyed it or learned something, please do me a favor and hit the like button and consider subscribing. Now, let's get started. In a video posted on December 1st, 2022, Lauren of the Sweetie Pie Low YouTube channel read an anonymous Reddit post that appears to have been since deleted, but she found that post in a Facebook group on November 28th of 2022. The Reddit post appeared to have been screenshotted a week before it appeared on the Facebook group's page. The screenshot doesn't show the username of the person who wrote the Reddit post, nor does it show its date. Lauren said she felt it could have been written by the perpetrator of this crime, and it certainly sounded like it. She replayed her reading of the Reddit post in a recent live on her channel, which is where I heard it for the first time. She played it so that her listeners could compare the info in it to what we have since learned about the crime from the released probable cause affidavit for Brian Koberger's arrest. I found the Reddit post pretty riveting to hear. The anonymous Reddit post describes how the person believes the crime unfolded in the early morning hours of November 13th when the four students died. The post begins with the words, here's what I think happened. Of course, the post was on Reddit, so we cannot know for certain who wrote it. Could it have been by Brian Koberger? Maybe. Could it have been written by someone else simply wanting to share his or her beliefs about the crime? Also a possibility. I thought it would be worthwhile to listen to that anonymous Reddit post as read by Sweetie Pie Low. Now, after Koberger's arrest and after the release of the probable cause affidavit for his arrest, to see how well the details in the post match up with what's in the affidavit. I found it interesting to compare and contrast the information, and I thought you might find it interesting too. Let's start by listening to a recording of Lauren of Sweetie Pie Low reading the Reddit post, and I'll leave a link to her channel in the description. Now, this, to me, sounds like it could very well have been from the killer. It makes you wonder. When you guys hear this, it's going to make you wonder if this person was there. Honest to God. Okay, so it says, here's what I think happened. They all came home around the same time, home by 2 a.m. The killer is already there in the wood line, hiding in the dark, but with a full view of the back of the house the entire time. Watches and waits as they all eat and congregate briefly in the second level kitchen area in varying states of inebriation. Finally, they go to their respective bedrooms, Ethan and Zan on the second level, um, locking the bedroom door behind them. Maddie and Kaylee do the same on the third level, initially to their own rooms to get ready for bed. The killer is outside, motionless, still waiting patiently, noting what lights are turning on and off and tracking the faint sound of opening and closing bathroom and bedroom doors. His intended target is in there, 
on the top floor, and all lights are out now. He waits 20 more minutes, silence, yet he is concerned about the unexpected mail in the house, but he is too hopped up on all of this, this fantasy, months in the making, to turn back time. Plus, he has a target, a mission to accomplish, a retribution. He hopes he can accomplish his task without having... Let this soft mineral melt in your mouth to rebuild your gums and teeth and never need a dentist again. People have even bother with the couple on the second floor. He is stealthy. He has practice. He slips in quietly. A window, a door, it doesn't matter. He is in, undetected, and quietly ascending the staircase to the third floor now. He reaches the intended target's door. It is slightly ajar. In the dim glow of charging electronics, he notices there are two girls in bed. He freezes for a moment, stops and listens to the deafening sound, silence and realizes it is far too late to turn back now. He pushes in silently and sees his target. She's sleeping hard now, and so is her bedmate. So this person knew that they were in the same bed before it was ever announced by the parents, by the way, or by the dad last night. Of course, a lot of us could assume that that was the case. I know I did, but this is kind of interesting, okay? Uh, he hovers over the target and unleashes his carnage, a barrage quickly incapacitating her. The girl lying next to her is awake now, but only for long enough to say no several times, the last one being loud enough to further enrage the killer. She, too, is quickly dispatched. He had practiced this a thousand times in his mind. It was quick, the whole thing. Um, he checked his watch. It had only been three minutes in total since he entered the home. Um, let's see, hold on. The bedrooms, a total of five minutes since he slipped inside the house. The killers quick, quickly look around and, and pauses to listen. No sounds downstairs, but his heart is pounding so loudly in his ears. He doesn't hear the hushed voices and quiet shuffling coming from the second floor bedroom. As he begins his descent down the stairs to make his quick and silent exit, his sick mission now accomplished. A wave of exhaustion rolls over him as he steps off the stairs onto the floor of the second level. He sees his exit across the room. He begins to move towards it slightly and then says to be continued, maybe. The details from the Reddit post that match the evidence in the probable cause affidavit include one, that all four victims arrived home by 2 a.m., two, that Ethan and Zana retired to Zana's bedroom on the second floor. That's an easy guess, though, because obviously Ethan and Zana would be sleeping in Zana's room. Three, that Maddie and Kaylee went up to the third floor to sleep. That's also an easy guess because we know that their bedrooms were up there. Here's the kicker, though. The post said that Maddie and Kaylee were sleeping in the same bed and that it threw the perpetrator off for a second. Kaylee's father, Steve Gonsalves, leaked that detail about his daughter and Maddie Mogan dying in the same bed at the November 30th candlelight vigil. So that would have been after this Reddit post appeared on the Facebook group's page. How could this anonymous author have known about that detail if he wasn't the perpetrator? Either Koberger wrote the post to mess with people's heads, or someone who was privy to inside details about where Kaylee and Maddie's bodies were found wrote it. Or the writer just got lucky 
with that one detail. If it wasn't Koberger trying to throw out red herrings, could it have been one of the friends of the two surviving roommates who were called to the house early Sunday morning before the 911 call was made, and who may have found out that way that Kaylee and Maddie were deceased in Maddie's bed? There's a lot in this anonymous Reddit post that doesn't mesh with the information in the probable cause affidavit, and it has to do primarily with the timeline. The person who authored the Reddit post said that the perpetrator was already at the King Road residence outside in the back, hiding in the tree line, watching the house before the students arrived home by 2 a.m. But according to the probable cause affidavit, a white sedan, which was consistent with the description of suspect vehicle one, which refers to Koberger's white Elantra, was observed on several Washington State University surveillance cameras in Pullman, Washington, starting at 2.44 a.m. So if Koberger was at the wheel, he was not yet in Moscow. Thus, he could not have been hiding out in the tree line at the back of the property before 2 a.m. Suspect Vehicle 1, again the white Elantra, wasn't captured on security camera footage near the girls' house in Moscow until 3.28 a.m. when it was seen traveling westbound in the 700 block of Indian Hills Drive. The affidavit says that multiple videos obtained from the King Road neighborhood showed multiple sightings of this white sedan in the area in front of the girls' home at 1122 King Road. The white sedan drove past the girls' house four times. The first pass occurred at 3.29 a.m. The fourth and final pass was at 4.04 a.m. After that, that white sedan likely parked on Queen Road out of sight. It sounds like the perpetrator was driving repeatedly by the girl's house to see if the lights were still on. I believe the perpetrator witnessed the DoorDash delivery person who arrived at the house at 4 a.m. Once that driver departed, which likely occurred right before 4.04 a.m., the white sedan did its final pass at 4.04 a.m. The white sedan wasn't spotted again until 4.20 a.m. when it was captured departing the area of the King Road residence at a high rate of speed. Next, the white sedan was seen traveling southbound on Walenta Drive. The police believe the white sedan finally exited the neighborhood at Palouse River Drive and Conestoga Drive. The only way that Koberger could have been in the tree line before 2 a.m., was if he had some sort of decoy person drive his white car from Pullman to Moscow, where it showed up on cameras at 3.28 a.m., and Koberger himself traveled to Moscow in a different vehicle before 2 a.m. and parked it out of sight of the security cameras in the King Road neighborhood or on Walenta Drive. And that makes absolutely no sense because why would Koberger have a decoy person drive his white Elantra to the King Road neighborhood at 3.29 a.m. so that the car, his car, could be spotted near the crime scene 
right before the crime kicked off, and then spotted again tearing off right after it. That would just make Koberger look like the perpetrator. If we stick to Occam's razor, that the simplest explanation is usually the right one, I think it's safe to say that whoever made this Reddit post was likely not Brian Koberger. If Koberger wrote it, A, he got the details of his own crime wrong. Of course, he could have been trying to throw out red herrings and mess with the heads of online sleuths, but I doubt it. I think whoever wrote this is someone who fancies himself or herself a good sleuth. It's also possible that whoever wrote it was a friend of the surviving roommates who were called to the house before 911 was dialed, and that they learned that Kaylee and Maddie were in the same bed that way. Or it could be a student who knew a friend of a friend and who perhaps heard the information about the crime that might have leaked out from the surviving roommates and the friends who were called to the home. But then they would have gotten the timeline wrong, because Dylan M. does know the timeline. What do you guys think? Was this posted by someone who just wanted to have a stab, excuse the term, at envisioning how the crime unfolded based on the information that was floating around before the affidavit was published? Does the person's knowledge about where Kaylee and Maddie were found mean the person heard that from a survivor, a friend of the survivor's, or somebody working on the case? Or was it just a wild guess that the person happened to get right? It's a very odd coincidence in that case. After working through all of this, my head hurts. The only good thing to come from this exercise for me is that I have the timeline of those four passes of the white sedan etched in my brain now. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. On your way out, please smash the like button and subscribe.